This episode of the Jamie K podcast is brought to you by From Within Records. I want to give a big shout out to everybody who has taken the time to go pre-order the Once in Unity Comp Volume 2. Things are moving fast. Just a couple minutes ago, they put up a variant cover designed by Tyler Mullen of Year of the Knife fame, Killing Me, Gridiron. You know who he is. So go to From Within Records Big Cartel and try to pick up a copy before it sells out. It's only out of 75. But seriously, shout out everybody who has been posting their favorite tracks from the comp. I'm still undecided. There's so many good tracks. Like right now, I'm struggling to decide if the Struck Nerve track is my favorite or is it the Burning Strong track? There's just so many good uh, tracks on there. Shout out to all the bands one on one. I seriously can't get over the comp. It, it's so awesome. I did a takeover on my monthly playlist that I do, Hardcore Caviar on Spotify. I just put the entire Once in Unity comp volume two on the playlist just because I want to send all the traffic to them. It's so amazing. So shout out to everybody who has supported so far and make sure to pick up your copy from from within records big cartel or triple b when their shop goes live again on friday i think it is or if you're trying to track down a glow in the dark copy head over to nuclear family or if you want days's uh, exclusive colorway go support it there it's seriously such an awesome thing and i'm so happy that it's out and people are taking the time to share their favorite tracks get into the comp learn about new bands it's seriously such an awesome thing so shout out to from within records we're always supporting us and we're so happy to be able to support them any way we can and before we get into today's guest i want to give a special happy birthday to our friend xavier he plays in simulacra plays in gridiron he's a talented rapper i'm still waiting for that new ep to drop i'm looking forward to it there were some teasers on twitter and instagram or just instagram i can't remember but it's, it's coming really soon so shout out to xavier happy birthday i hope you have a good one but on today's episode we managed to track down chris wilson he sings for a band called ikulu and i'm gonna be honest it's been a long time coming and i really mean this i've been chasing this guy for years and i'm so happy that we were finally able to sit down and just have seriously one of my most favorite conversations he's such an awesome and interesting guy and i'm really happy that we were able to sit down and just have an honest and real conversation about how he got into hardcore uh, got into art and just all the current things going on in his life it was seriously such a pleasure and i am very happy to share this with you but for anyone out there who's not familiar with ikulu please hit pause go boot up your spotify your Bandcamp, apple music go listen to the latest album unscrew my head uh, seriously such an awesome album front to back uh, go listen to the music go listen to the older stuff and then come back enjoy the podcast because it, it, it's, it's super fun it, it's a great insight into who chris is as a person and we get to hear some awesome things about the band so please strap in Enjoy this conversation, and without further ado, welcome Chris Wilson to the show.
right, and we're live. Welcome to the podcast, Chris. How's it going? Dude, I'm doing great. I'm uh just got about three cups of coffee in right now, and I'm just kind of like getting my morning started. Dude. No breakfast. Are you normally a, a breakfast type of guy, or do you uh, always skip that? I'm normally a breakfast person when uh like me and my partner have the same day off then we can like really invest some time into breakfast okay but uh yesterday i guess we kind of went out and got breakfast for the first time in a while so like i guess i've been kind of getting back into breakfast and uh our it it all kind of depends on like my work schedule Mm -hmm. like if breakfast is like quick or if it's like put a lot of effort and time into but but yeah i'm great how are you I'm I'm doing great. Uh, I'm just so happy to finally have you on the podcast. <laughs> so th- this is a th- this is a great moment for me. So thank you for being here. Likewise, man. I appreciate what you do, and I I love uh, all the people you've interviewed have some importance to me. Whether it be they're a long term friend or I just look up to what they do. So it's uh I'm in I'm in great company. That's for sure. Hell yeah. Okay, so uh, I, I kind of want to start at your uh, beginning, uh, you know, for people who may not be familiar with who you are. Can you talk about how you got into hardcore music? Good question. It all kind of stems from just like getting into what your parents weren't into and getting into like, I guess like, like I guess it all kind of stems from uh, like, music is always going to be a gateway into something else. Mm -hmm. So like when I discover, uh, say like my dad is into growing up, he was really into like Van Halen and like Ozzy Osbourne and stuff like that. So as cool as that shit is now to me, Mm -hmm. I find, I find like other routes and other means of expression. And of course, discovering things like skateboarding got me into, uh, you know, just, punk and obviously like the tony hawk soundtrack is a, is a really good example of that like the tony hawk pro skater soundtrack is a gateway into like discovering heavier music so play of course like playing video games skateboarding got me into uh i guess the antithesis of hard music and like wanting something faster and wanting something more energetic but uh of course like just like most people just getting into like metal music and going to like local shows through that way So, uh, growing up, I grew up in Shreveport, Louisiana. So music venues were like a dime a dozen, like there, I don't know if I'm using that term correctly, but they were, they were few and far between, like you could not go to mini shows outside of one venue. So, uh, took advantage of the only venue we had, which was this place called soundstage and five, one, six soundstage. Um, it's no longer a venue anymore. But that was kind of like the first place you could catch like local bands that were from like the Shreveport area or Dallas, Texas. And they kind of brought in some metalcore, maybe a little bit of hardcore influence before I was aware of it. Um, And then I guess like through that and just like the excitement of going to early shows uh, got me into hardcore. Um, My dad is definitely a huge uh, metalhead. You, You could say he's like pretty into that shit so Mm -hmm. through that i think he discovered heavier sides like he's not even like when i was young he wasn't even aware of the term hardcore okay like like he might have had like hardcore music in his cd collection but he wasn't fully aware of that 
until like I kind of got into it and was like, oh, like uh, Sepultura kind of has like hardcore roots a little bit, obviously. And I would bring that up to him and he would just be like, what? <laughs> you know, like, cause he had that stuff in his collection and I would just, I would geek out over some of that heavier stuff that he had. So I would say like, he is definitely like kind of a, a foundation for getting into heavy music along with skateboarding and all that stuff. I don't know if that answers your question. Yeah, no, it definitely paints that picture. And I'm also curious, did um, uh, your uh, love for art come before hardcore or was that like developed um, alongside with it? I feel like, I feel like I've always been making stuff, whether it be uh, like painting pictures for my mom or like my dad, you know, just, it all kind of starts from like those early classroom paintings. Mm -hmm. um, but I, I guess I just did it more than everyone else. So, so um, uh, yeah, it all kind of just starts from there. And I think that was the one thing that I realized like, oh shit, like I actually can do things with this pencil. And like, I acknowledged that and kind of just kept going with it and realizing like, if I keep at it, I could definitely get better at this. Mm -hmm. So um, it's it was kind of like an early obsession, uh, just making pictures, drawing pictures. Um, I ended up getting into like this talented arts program. It was called TAP in my middle school. And they like really, they, we had like crazy teachers. We had like teachers who were obsessed with uh, like making pottery and stuff, but they were like, they realized they had like a group of four kids who were like somewhat talented and they had to like feed them projects to do, like whether it be charcoal and stuff. So it was almost like art school and middle school, kind of like art school boot camp mm -hmm. in a way. And um, I got drilled a lot of that stuff in the early school days. So I, I learned work ethic, I guess, like really, really young. And uh, obviously like kind of stemming, stemming back to like hardcore and punk like the pictures and the album covers of some of those projects and like bands kind of inspired me to start drawing more and, you know, wanting to do cool stuff, draw like, you know, insane logos and like the size of my binders and stuff. And, you know, just kind of like doing it obsessively. So, so it kind of just like, it kind of goes hand in hand. I think like the, the artwork and like getting into, heavier music mm -hmm. uh i always see them as kind of like as a unison as kind of the same thing yeah. if that makes any sense no I don't know if i'm rambling uh no it's, it's, it's totally fine if you ramble but yeah no i i, I can totally see that because obviously um you are you know heavily involved in the music scene but also um you're involved with doing a lot of art for the music scene so i i think that's awesome that you're able to kind of carry that with you through this whole time yeah yeah it's definitely exciting to see um the like to see it exist out there especially on like record covers and stuff that was like like i said earlier it was like kind of my main excitement was seeing that stuff on album covers and kind of wanting to recreate it and did you stick through with um doing art in school like past middle school yeah like past middle school uh it was like my lunchroom was the art room <laughs> i always said like oh like in high school i'm so lucky that we had an art class um, because a lot of high schools were kind of like athletic based mm -hmm. and kind of gave up their arts programs. Unfortunately, I feel like a lot of people can relate to that because 
uh, the art class was somewhat the the crutch to like get through high school for me because uh, it gave me a space like a creative space to like work on projects and like a lot of people would kind of come up to me like Chris can you draw like this eyeball <laughs> you know and I'm just like yeah I'll, I'll draw your eyeball like you know it kind of gave me like a space to be accepted in what I did but also like uh it gave me a spot to like fully think and flesh out my ideas and what I wanted to do when I got outside of high school. So the arts were like heavily going on in high school and high school too, like was the time that I don't want to like branch out too hard, but it was the time I got into like the hardcore everyone kind of knows and loves right now. Like, you know, demos were coming out and I was catching wind of, I was catching wind of what was happening in DC and like, you know, give and stuff and intent and all these bands that were coming out in the DC area got me really excited to start making art too. And of course, like that was kind of like the wave I just wrote on whenever that stuff started to come out and just completely got thrilled on making projects. I remember drawing flyers and demo covers in my art class in high school i would just like use that time whether it be like my study period to just go into the art class and like draw pictures and flyers for people um it was really exciting and do you remember the first band that you actually did artwork for yeah it was i think it was actually for uh a band that i played guitar in called iron grip from denver colorado because i was my family, just to kind of like put it in a nutshell, my family's kind of like split up from Louisiana and we, we are like, you know, sons of, we're like army brats, basically. Like we ended up going to Colorado Springs because there was a big military base there. And my mom and my stepdad at the time were just like, do whatever, go crazy. Like if you want to go to shows, go to shows. And I'm so stoked for that because that's where I discovered my people, you know, because mm-hmm. your, your people kind of find you, uh, whether it be if you're in California or you're in New York, say you're a transplant from California to New York, you're going to find your people mm-hmm. always. Um, and that kind of happened to me like really young. So within that, um, my first band, Iron Grip, which included uh, the singer and bass player of, of Feather and Bone, mm-hmm. Alvino. I don't know if you're aware of a Feather and Bone. Yeah. Um, so that band was still a band at that time, but we ended up all kind of joining together and practicing in Alvino's basement, uh, for this band Iron Grip. And I think that was my first time realizing, like, I can draw like the flyer and the demo cover for like my first band. And it was the coolest feeling because people were pretty stoked on it and people were, you know, checking us out and actually going to the shows for the flyers that I did, um, and it was it was sick. It was like my outlet to like make the cool kind of flyers that I've always wanted to make. Um, if that makes any sense. Oh, I I, I think that's awesome to to be able to uh, you know take advantage of that since you have those skills to to do it for your own band and just kind of uh, you know get it out there and being people to be that stoked to want to go to those shows and see your band just because of the artwork. <laughs> I think that's pretty powerful. The flyers are so bad too. They're just like. I, they're just like big boots you know I'm, i was like i was so into like what drug dogs was doing i was so into what 
spoiler was doing i think that's like your gateway into you know finding out more artists is like clinging on to what was popping in at that time mm -hmm. and you're looking at you know because flyers were coming out all over the scene and i'm sure people who make flyers like shout out to like kyle nile and like kyle is really good at like creating a composition for a flyer and uh like that's what I was trying to figure out at that time. So flyers were at my hands at all times because of the internet so that you can like completely make something cool and something memorable and something being like, yo, the show was sick, but also the flyer was sick. And like, that's kind of like, that was my thinking back then and kind of still to this day. Um, but it was, it was so fun, man. I was 16. I was hanging out with like 30 year old kids. Mm -hmm. like, I say 30, 30 year old kids because they were not your average 30 year olds. Like, For sure. you know what I mean? I feel like that's uh, me right now. <laughs> yeah, man. Dude. I think, I think there's nothing wrong with that. Not a damn thing wrong with that. Yeah. I, I still Just stay I, young. I, I still trip out when I, because I, I don't think about my age that often or even say um, how old I am, uh, you know, like on a daily yeah. basis. But when I talk to people about my age, uh, I just kind of trip out like, damn, like, half my brain is like you know freaking out thinking like how the hell did we get this far in life but then also it's just like i i never really felt like or i, I there was never really like, like that whole like transition period where i thought like as a kid like okay there's gonna be this moment where you like kind of like evolve like a pokemon into like an adult but it, you know it, it just kind of you know it just kind of happens one day right like uh yeah as you yeah. get older like things just kind of it, it's just like a slow transition it's not like this one giant moment like graduating from like a school or something no yeah no you're absolutely right it's like it kind of happens suddenly and you're like like i mean i'm i'm only 24 now but i know that when i am in my 30s i'll probably be thinking the same mm -hmm. but just in a smarter approach because of you know past failures and things like that so you yeah. learn 100 just over time you are that fucking pokemon mm -hmm. that <laughs> <laughs> yeah with all that experience okay yeah and uh, how long uh, were you in Denver? Because I, I always have like a, a, this fascination with like the, the Denver hardcore scene because there was this band oh, uh, from there uh, called Fight Like Hell. I'm not sure if you're familiar with them. Uh, I am. I, I never caught any of the Fight Like Hell shows, but okay. I'm super aware of them. They were kind of the uh, they were the staple band from that area. Yeah. Um, living in Denver or I lived about an hour and a half away from Denver. So it was kind of kind of a trek and uh, getting to shows and getting back and forth. But I lived in Colorado Springs and Colorado Springs had its own hardcore scene as well. Um, there were bands that were popping up then and I would go to local shows there. That was actually where I caught my first hardcore shows um, and in this venue called The Black Sheep. Uh, mm -hmm. And I remember the first show that was like a hardcore show for me and like leaving and going like, I want to start a band. I want to do this. Uh, it was absolutely like the Mongoloids and Agnostic Front. They did a tour, I think, in 2011. Okay. And it was uh, it was a pretty big tour because it was I can't remember. It was it was a release for one of their records, Agnostic Front. You know, because they they never stopped. Agnostic yeah. Front still going, and they just they <laughs> still going. They dropped a record that year, and I remember going to that show and realizing, like, yeah, like. I want to do this and I want to like meet everyone here and get to know everyone and mm. not in like a, not in like a funny way, but like a, like these are hardcore kids. I'm I, like, I'm at a hardcore show. It's like the coolest thing ever. 
So um, I'm really happy that we had a venue that we can catch those shows at. Uh, but the Denver scene is very separate from the Colorado Springs scene. Uh, the Denver scene, you know, you have like people who pay attention to what they're putting out. You have labels like Youth Attack. You have you know, the Fight Like Hell scene going on. It's so big. And I feel like I just hit the the cusp of the Denver hardcore scene for the shows that I went at. Um, we had venues like the Blastomat, which changed to, I think, Seventh Circle over time. And, you know, bands like Trapped Under Rice would play there. I remember seeing Stick Together play in Denver there. And that was that was a huge, <laughs> that was like one of my most memorable shows was going there and catching those shows. Uh, unbelievable times there. Um, they had, uh, you know, they had straight edge bands around that time, early 2000. 10 11 12 where it was uh you know there were bands like perspective and civilized were playing shows around that time too cadaver dog was just starting to play shows too so it was like the energy felt like how the energy feels now in a place like new york where it's like everyone's going out to shows you see the same people everyone's you know trying to hang out you know chill after the show it it was such like a monumental feeling for me because i ended up doing that 10 years later and just almost being those people that I looked up to in the scene uh, when I was like 16 and they were, you know, the quote unquote 30 year old kids. So I ended up like getting so attached to that scene and learning so much about the people and what not to do in a band, what to do in a band. And like, I learned how to like actually play guitar and write songs, write hardcore songs. So it was, it was, such a learning curve too. moving out there. Um, I always say I'm, I'm like from that area born in Louisiana, because mm. I feel like a lot of your mind molding and your interests, they, they evolve in that, in those early days, like high school. So 100%. high school was definitely, high school was definitely that time for, to get juiced in, in my gateway into hardcore too. So Denver is just like, every time we're back there, cause Ikulu hasn't played Denver, but my previous band with Connor Jones, Burst of Rage, we played Denver. And that was like, I was like, I can't wait to show you guys everything. You know, like, I'm going to take you here. We're going to go to this spot. We're going to do this. And it was, uh, it was exciting. Ikulu got to play Colorado Springs. So that was also like really, really awesome too. That felt good. Uh, But yeah, Colorado scene is, is one of a kind. You have bands still putting stuff out today. I mean, shout out to Convulse Records too. They're, putting out amazing stuff and they're based out of denver as well yeah there's this current band from out there that, that called wide man uh, i'm not sure if you're familiar with them but I, they're like i i think a band that uh, deserves more recognition and they're definitely working on a new record right now so i'm stoked for them to finish that up so they can get the music out there and you know kind of get in front of more people's ears you're gonna have to send me some wide man i haven't heard them Okay, for sure. Well, th- that's cool that you have that connection to Denver because I always think that that place is special. Just because uh, being uh, just getting to be friends with those guys from Fire Like Hell um, just kind of changed a-, a lot for me because uh, when they were touring, um, even before their Fire Like Hell, they were in this older band called In the Crosshairs, and they got booked. Oh, no kidding. Yeah, they got booked down where I used to live in the Palm Springs area. Uh, shout out to Steve Kipple for bringing them through, and I, I saw them as. Uh, you know, in the crosshairs, and then they came back, and they like recognized a lot of us because it, it was such a weird area for any band to to tour through. Uh, but they were just like so welcoming, 
and then come to find out that we have mutual friends in Las Vegas, mutual friends in like the Inland Empire. And then we just kind of just grew this um, bond. Like anytime Father Hell would come through, like me and all my friends, and we were younger back then, so we didn't have like that much yes. like responsibilities. So we were able to take off, you know, four or five days to kind of follow the tour and just hang out with our friends, right? And then Father Hell, uh, you know, decides they're going to call it quits. But on their last tour, when they get to you know our area, they're like, "Yo, like we want you guys to come to Denver for our last show. If you guys can make it out, like we'll take care of you. Like we'll house you." get you in the show yeah. like we can hang out so we're like dude this has never been offered up to us so like let's take this opportunity so me and a couple of friends drove from southern california to denver which is like 16 hours it was crazy it's so long yeah it was a long drive <laughs> and it was um, pretty intense but when we got to denver we were just shown just so much love by them and just getting to see like a bunch of places that we'd never been before it was just like really eye-opening to like what hardcore can be you know just having these Mm. like actual friendships that you know lasted and were real outside of um, you know them just coming to your town like like literally these bands are inviting us to where they're from and taking care of us and making sure that we're having the best time it, it was seriously such a cool thing for me being so young back then at that time it stays with you that stuff stays with you because you you know those those foundations of friendships and like realizing they're not big-headed they're not like completely unaware of you it's sick because they took you out there and they like completely dove you into this side of the hardcore scene. Like this is Denver. This is like what we do out there. And I've, I felt that I still feel that camaraderie from different people. I'm sure you can agree with that. Yeah. hundred percent. Like it's the same when, uh, you know, for example, like bands, like, like terror turnstile, like those guys that there's so much camaraderie in that because they they're here to lift you up, not like leave you behind. Yeah. And that that shit is so awesome, man. I, it's really cool to hear that you have that connection with Fight Like Hell. I wasn't I wasn't aware of their um their previous band either. Mm-hmm. Oh, what, what were they called again? In the Crosshairs. In the Crosshairs. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. So and I, I think it's funny that you mentioned uh, Terror and Turnstile because I I do feel like they are those bands that just want to bring everybody in, even kids who aren't even like familiar with like hardcore. They're just like, oh, cool. Like, come check us out. This is what hardcore is all about. Like, it's it just seems like it's just like really positive, like, you know, positive in a good way, not like corny or anything. I I think they're just trying to bring everybody, just make everybody more aware of hardcore and keep that strength and just kind of push it forward. Yeah, almost as uh, I hate using the term movement, but it's like a a movement that way where it's Mm -hmm. like we're not leaving anyone behind. Uh, we, we want these newer bands involved because like guys like, you know, for example, like they're not gonna, they're not gonna like help out these small scenes. Wait, what am I trying to say? I'm losing it. I feel like, I feel like turnstile is, is going to give a helping hand to any scene they're playing shows at you know say like they're playing in new york they're gonna put these smaller bands on because they know that these this crowd this crowds that there's that's there for turnstile is gonna not be aware of these small bands mm-hmm. until like they leave that show and they go like oh shit maybe i should check out one step closer or maybe i should check out these guys and then like that is like the connection there that kind of brings them back into the ocean that is turnstile and i think it, it's really exciting to see that yeah, I think one eye-opening thing for me was uh, I, I went to see them at Coachella a couple of years ago, 
And Dude, how was that? It, it was pretty interesting. Uh, <laughs> uh, sh- shout out to my buddy uh, Nate for um, you know hooking it up. Uh, w- w- he's one of my best friends. He's actually on his way here right now. But we went to Coachella and and, and I told him like, "Yo, this is like one of like the biggest bands in hardcore right now. So for them to be here, it's a big deal. Like we have to go watch them." So uh, when I uh, was going into it, I, I was first of all I was wondering, I was like, "Will anybody at this festival even really know who they are?" And yeah. when we got there, I was really surprised at how many people were in the tent. Because obviously, like, you're going to have people who are, like, lingering or who are showing up early because they want to see, like, the band after, right? But when they started playing, there were so many kids going off. because it, it felt like there was just, like, all these whispers throughout the fest. Like, this is, like, one of the bands to catch because they're going to have an awesome performance. And mm-hmm. they definitely delivered. I, and, I, like, it was just... Like to, to be able to be there and witness it, I'm like, all right, this band, like in my opinion, like they don't have a ceiling. They can be like one of the biggest bands ever. So to to, to see that and to see their tour that they're about to do, like having all these dates sell out across the country, I'm like, okay, this band, especially with the new music, the music, the new music that they put out is fucking awesome. So I, I'm just oh, totally, I, I'm Absolutely. just like super happy and I'm excited to see them when they come out here. But it's just like, yeah, like I feel like that band is just. Like even just like terror, like they're like special, and we have to just like uplift them and you know just support them as much as we can while they're around. Yeah, yeah. I, I think, uh, for example, those bands have they have their pulse on everything, mm-hmm. including new bands and and what crowds to play to. Uh, makes sense for a band like Turnstile to play a, a a fest like Coachella because <laughs> the excitement of them it it lingers the festival like you said like you know they were the hot topic mm-hmm. you know by murmur you know and i think that's really sick i didn't know that that they uh played to i i almost forgot they played coachella like because they're they're such a they're like their own band mm-hmm. and they've completely established that uh their new stuff is so great you know they've yeah. completely outdone themselves yeah, it, go on that forever. No, same here. It, it, it's it's awesome to watch and to 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 be a fan and to just to um, it's just like bands like that are special and they don't come around that often. So just to be able to kind of be here in the moment and just get to experience it and just kind of see them grow through these stages, you know, from the demo to now, it, it, it's been a, like a really fun ride. Oh yeah, yeah. And if you listen to like Brendan's side project, Free the Birds, um, me and my partner Ashley, we were listening to it yesterday. And we were like. We're like, man, this this is like a extension of what he writes songwriting wise. Mm-hmm. Like it, it felt like kind of this same atmosphere, but just a different planet. You know what I'm saying? Like it, it's great because those guys can do anything artistically and there'll be like little side branches of other artistic projects. And if 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 you could take anything from any genre, any person, any band, it's learning that branch process is like you're allowed to start a band and then start a label and then start a zine and then keep it going. You can make the artwork for the zine. You can do all that stuff because like they've, you know, it's been done. It's just saying like, you also can do that too. Mm-hmm. And they've, they inspire me so much with the Kulu, like with, uh, you know, our direction or like, you know, how we present something. It can be like songwriting wise. It could be a fucking mosh part. You know, it's that, that, that's how it is for us. And that's, that's how, that's how they do it. They got sick style. They just always had the style. Yeah. And I'm surprised that more bands don't uh, kind of uh, keep it in house and do a lot more for themselves. Cause obviously uh, <laughs> a lot of bands will just, uh, you know, uh, 
come out and, and I, I know it's a lot of hard work to be in a band so i'm not like dissing bands but like you know bands will come out just put out a record play some shows cool and like that's it but i'm just like i know there's more to the band there has to be more for you guys to be yeah. that creative to to do the band so like why can't they produce more um you know and sometimes it might be choice they don't want to do more or, or who knows but it, yeah sometimes <laughs> I, I wish like some of the bands that i, I favor a little more I, I wish they would uh do more stuff like outside of just putting out music and playing shows yeah like like music videos and stuff like that um i, I always i'm always into like bands that are like oh, we just want to play shows and we just like want to we just want to like write a demo that sounds like this like I, i've i've realized i've always been into bands that are like that mm -hmm. so to to find out this new like world that people are like oh shit we can actually turn this into uh i hate using this wacky term brand but like mm -hmm. we can kind of brand ourselves to be like this is our band um you know this is the style we we rep this is like the type of videos we're shooting with we're shooting 16 millimeter like it, it creates their world and uh, you know you can't start a band and not create a world with it and yeah you, you got to do it especially if you represent something or if you're writing things that have meaning 100 percent, and and not by choice you're going to have super fans who are already thinking about that stuff you know whether you've exactly. done it or not yeah. so it's just like uh, i i wish more people would but i get it you know it does take a lot of work and yeah. uh, you know thinking and just uh, a lot of time which uh, you know some people probably just don't have no totally you know some people work full-time jobs and then try to do this too and mm -hmm. you know mad mad respect to them um you know because i'm i'm pretty lucky to have a lot of free time when i do have it to you know indulge into like projects that i want to do with akulu and stuff like that like it took a lot of time to make the video we just made because we decided it was right you know, we put out an LP. You got to have something that kind of showcases who you are and stuff like that. Uh, not to go into that, but I think it's it's exciting because it, it kind of displays, especially in COVID time, mm -hmm. we couldn't see these bands. It's nice to like understand what how they present themselves or like, you know, like I said earlier, the world they're creating. It's, it's nice to see that stuff, um, especially with like... Um, there's there's so many cool bands doing stuff. I know One Step Closer is they're they're working on stuff right now. Mm -hmm. They're they, they've they've got they've got their hand on the pulse too. I think they're they're getting to the bottom of like what they represent visually too. So yeah, and for uh, eat that shit up, guys, if you're listening. <laughs> yeah, and for a, a young band like that to to kind of have that impact already, and just to have such of solid following and and obviously um, oh yeah like the, the 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 music speaks volumes you know because of that because obviously really great band but to just to have that and i just feel like they're like another special band like i i'm curious to watch like I, you know i'm friends with some of those guys so I, i'm uh you know thankful for that but also I, i'm just uh, having fun being able to see them grow as a band and i'm just curious how far they'll be able to take it yeah yeah oh yeah yeah i, I think they're excited too you know it kind of goes back to like what you were saying earlier about bands like not making it as far as just the album cover or mm -hmm. or just the album or the demo or whatever um they see the whole picture yeah they're a band that can definitely see the whole picture yeah and like it's excited to see where to take it even if they are like doing other projects on the side like they're a little they're a little more focused on that than mm -hmm. anything 100%. I'm sure when they wake up, when they wake up, they're like, what can we do for the band today? You know, there's there's some uh, power in that, I think. 100 cool. percent. 
So from from Denver, uh, I'm curious, uh, how long is it until you get to New York? In Denver, it's it's funny saying Denver because Denver is so far away. But, oh, okay, Colorado but, Springs. Yeah, it, we'll say Colorado. Okay. We'll, we'll, yeah, Colorado Springs, Denver, you know, that area for sure was a good solid four and a half years. Uh, you know, obviously getting out of, I actually moved there in my freshman year of high school. So with learning the world and how beautiful Colorado is, mm-hmm. you know, I also learned um, that there is a means out of here too, if I decided to go. And that means was going to art college. Um, so I started building a portfolio at the end of high school because there was a lot of pressure for me to go to college. Just like a lot of people, there's um, there's options you have, you know, it's stay home, get a job, not go to college mm-hmm. or go to college and like do something with yourself because my mom went to college. Uh, she went to Louisiana State University, the Shreveport section of the college, and she learned, you know, mathematics and stuff like that. So in my mom's footsteps, she was like, Chris, you might be the only child to go to college. If you want to do this, you can. So my um, my whole plan, I had it mapped out, was to go to Rocky Mountain College of Art and Design. And that was in Colorado. Uh I think right outside of Denver and the alumni was fantastic. I mean, there's amazing artists that came out of there. Someone who I looked up to in my high school was actually going there at the time. So he was showing me the ropes a little bit. Mm -hmm. And uh, I actually got to stay in some of the classes and, you know, get a feel for if this is what I want to do. And obviously it's kind of like the way they have things set up. I was like, you're allowed to do that. Like you're allowed to take phone calls in the middle of class and work on Adobe projects. Like they were, they were, they were using Adobe Photoshop, Illustrator. And I was like, I fucking learned this shit already doing stuff for bands. So I'd love to like, just get my feet wet in this and like do this for like, not just a job, but like my Monday through Friday. Mm-hmm. Cause that's what his whole week was. I was like, hell yeah, I could do this. Uh, so I ended up going to a portfolio day at this Rocky Mountain College of Art and Design. And there were so many schools there. There were so many art schools there from all over the country. And I think they were kind of just promoting to see if like, uh, you know, if these people changed their mind to go to this school, they could go to these other schools. And uh, School of Visual Arts happened to be there, um, SVA. And I showed them my portfolio. I actually came super prepared. I had like this zine full of sketchbook drawings I did uh, that I just kind of made at my high school. I had like my actual sketchbook there. So I, (laughs) so if they were like, is this really this person's drawing? I could be like, yeah, here's the book. It's like covered in wet, you know, (laughs) because there's, it's water damage, but like here, here's, this is all my artwork. And uh, I had like stuff I did for bands. So a lot of that stuff I did for bands ended up kind of getting me an email back from SVA, which is kind of crazy. Yeah. Because a lot of people who end up, putting together a portfolio for our colleges, you know, they're doing like personal work. They're doing like portraits and stuff like that, which is all sick. Um, but I like the, all I had to support getting into that college was like, were these drawings I did for bands, which were like, <laughs> obviously like big, like bald headed, like tough guys, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like and logos. And if anything, it probably was like, Oh, this guy's good at letters. This guy's good at this and this and that. Cause you know, obviously 
you got to know how to do that if you're going to put out a dope project or a dope band. Um, so I think that helped me just that helped my deciding factor after they emailed me after some some weeks after that. So, you know, there was a lot of pressure to go to New York after that. Plus, I want to go there because that's where all the dope shit I was into was, you know, obviously I'm into like at this time, I love breakdown, like New York hardcore. So mm -hmm. I'm like, I want to I want to go to where that came from and understand that world entirely, you know, and I think it helped um, going out there. I, it, it was a really, really tough decision for my mom to like let me go out there. Because obviously, as a kid, you're like you're you grow up with your parents, and then there is that nest. You're leaving the nest kind of feeling, and like leaving your mom and you know your brother behind mm -hmm. to do this big, vast project that you set out. It's like a life project to go out there and decide what you want to be and what you want to do. So uh, I remember my mom like crying very heavily before going because. She thought I wouldn't, I wasn't going to be able to afford a flight out there. Mm -hmm. It was very tough to do that. And if I can go back and like spend more time on not leaving after high school, like I left immediately after high school to go to New York, I would have like saved up on scholarships and whatnot. Mm -hmm. But going from there straight to New York was the biggest, biggest jump of my life. It was huge because you don't, I didn't know anyone. I didn't know anyone out there. I knew my sweet mates in my dorm and that was it. <laughs> so I'm like getting to know them at the same time as I'm like trying to get to learn the city. And I was scared to use the fucking train. So I took cabs everywhere. <laughs> it was a nightmare. I probably spent so much money on cabs, uh, but it was, it was, it was such a, such a leap. And then I, of course, like you're kind of homesick because the air is different out there. Mm -hmm. You know, it's fucking beautiful. You, you replace mountains with skyscrapers and it's such a leap. And it was it was a it was a learning experience for sure. Like leaving Colorado and going like, damn, I'm in New York City right now. Like I got to get used to being this dude, you know, it yeah. was crazy. Uh, I really missed it. I, I can't imagine because the thing about it at that time, you're, you're just a kid, like ready to go experience life but not really yeah. knowing like, you know, what it's like to be an adult and your mom probably having all that knowledge and her knowing what kind of hardships that you're probably going <laughs> to face. So I, I could, uh, you know, understand why she was so emotional, but, but that's awesome that you're able to go. Uh, cause it, yeah, it, it is a big thing to, to, to travel across the country, especially being so young to, to, you know, do something new, but obviously something that you want in life. So it, it's cool that you're able to go and do it and make it work. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I, I think we made it work. Um, just like anything, you know, it works out for you. Um, whether it, you know, it, whether you do have some hard times going through that stuff, you know, it ultimately in the end, you're where you're supposed to be. Mm -hmm. Um, and my mom, I, I owe her the world for that, for allowing me to actually leave. I was the only son to, you know, travel that far and just say like, I'll see you guys on holidays. Mm -hmm. I'll see you a Christmas, you know, and like, and that really separated the family of it. I think for me, not in a bad way, but like a, a, a longing or a missing for my family and stuff like that. But you're in fucking New York. You got new family to me. <laughs> That's how I felt. I was like, man, there's some, there's some people out here that are going to change my life. Mm -hmm. And it was, it was, I was eager. I was like, I got bit by the bug when I was out there. I just didn't want to 
stopped meeting people. I met so many people at shows, so many people at like, um, you know, just in the downtown New York area that I was supposed to meet, I think. And uh, just, just being hungry, just being hungry to go to shows, to start bands and, you know, just mosh at shows, just, just do anything like that as soon as I got out there. So I was, I was on my feet. Yeah. And New York's definitely not for everybody because I visited, no. <laughs> I, I visited a couple of years ago and, and like we were in the city for a couple of days and I was like, I don't know if I like this. And then yeah, we, yeah. Uh, we overwhelming. went from the city to Long Island and I'm like, okay, Long Island's more of my vibe. It's way more chill out here. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. There's, there's something, there's something like about the fast pace coming from slow pace. Like you're from the IE, right? Oh, well, uh, Palm Springs area. Palm Springs. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So like Palm Springs, wide open sky, like yeah. you're, you know, you got to drive some ways to get to even the nearest fucking in and out. I'm sure like you get, you really got to go places mm-hmm. in New York. You're everything is so close to you and you're so close to people that I can see how you would freak out by that. And, and just like, there's, there's, there's so much going on constantly. And, you know, I, I've realized now that, yeah, I'm like probably not wired for the city because my mind is moving so quickly mm-hmm. and I just want to like chill out most times. So I totally get like being turned off from the city and going like, I probably wouldn't move here, you yeah, know, hundred percent. But it, it was crazy. Cause I, I remember, uh, my friends and I, we were like in times square and we were just kind of, you know, just like kind of sightseeing. And I remember I saw this girl wearing a Halsey hoodie. Cause I'm a huge fan of Halsey, that pop singer. Mm-hmm. And I complimented her on her hoodie. I'm like, Oh, that's a sick Halsey hoodie. And she like looked at me and like ran to like the other side of the street. So I think she thought I was going to try to like mug her or something, oh, but, <laughs> but it was Take like, the, hoodie. yeah, <laughs> I, I think she thought I wanted her Halsey hoodie, um, which was like the, like, you know, I was like, damn, I, I didn't mean to like scare her off. I was just trying to give her compliments. I thought her hoodie was sick. Um, but then, yeah, she got, yeah. she got spooked by you. She's Probably. Like, Whoa. She's, she's like, who's this uh, dark man with tattoos uh, You know, talking about Halsey? Uh, but it was, uh, yeah, it was just like one of those moments where I'm like, damn, this is fucking weird. Everybody seems like, you know, obviously everybody's like, you know, got shit to do. Everybody's hustling, bustling, trying to get to where they're trying to go. Uh, but it was just like, yeah, I was like, I don't know if I could do this every day. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I can see how that kind of threw you off. Mm-hmm. New York, New York people are people got their head down they're going places unless you like unless you in an area where you know people are gonna like probably pay attention to you or like you know at least acknowledge you at least Mm -hmm. it's 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 gonna be like fly by night like no one's gonna really pay attention uh that's how new york is i feel like if i were saying that to the same person she would probably do the same (laughs) Mm -hmm. um (laughs) you know were you always in the city when you stayed in new york I was in, uh, yeah, I was, I was staying in the dorms on 23rd street, Manhattan. So that was, uh, I bounced around to different dorms, but yeah, it was, it started there and then it ended up going to like the lower East side, which was on like Ludlow street, New York. So I ended up staying in Manhattan for a majority of the time for about three years. Um, it's very expensive. I don't know how I did that, but I ended up moving to Brooklyn around 2015 2016 and i think brooklyn but i feel like it's so quick to get to either or manhattan or brooklyn what you know if you take the j train or like the the m train or whatever so like for my most for most of my stay i ended up staying in brooklyn after college because i got out of college the third year 
because I just couldn't afford it. I just mm-hmm. completely couldn't afford it. So I was like, oh, you know what? I'm gonna leave. I'm gonna sell my guitar to pay off for like this one class. I had a Telecaster. I was like, I have to sell this guitar <laughs> just to pay for this class so that I could like completely bounce just bounce and like do my own thing in New York actually had enough money saved to start renting an apartment with my homie. Uh, my homie Hardy actually from Texas, he was staying in Brooklyn. So I ended up crashing with him at his spot. And uh, yeah, so that, that was like a majority of the stay was probably Brooklyn mm-hmm. for the second half, the post-college half. That's crazy. And were you, uh, and y- y- you finished college? No, I actually, I dipped early. I dipped early the the junior year. Mm-hmm. I didn't really get, I didn't get a chance to make the, the senior classes. Junior year was majority thesis. And I think that pounded me. Plus I'm like trying to balance, I was trying to balance like commissions for people at the same time. Mm-hmm. It was, uh, it was super overwhelming. I was like doing commissions in class, yeah, <laughs> which is psychotic. Like, yeah, you know, I'm like, I'm like trying to have a social life outside of shows or I'm saying shows outside of class, excuse me. Yeah. And, um, and shows, you could say shows, but, uh, I was so like, I got to finish this. I got to do this for this person. I got to do this and this and this saying yes to everything to where it like completely imploded my head and was like, I can't be in college anymore. Cause most people who were there were like, how'd you get that job? Like, how did you do that? Why are you like here? Cause a lot of people didn't get a chance to start doing commissions early, but I like had to explain like, you know, bands need artwork mm-hmm. <laughs> if it's going to be on Bandcamp, like, or like bands need t-shirts if they're going to tour. So like I was doing all that in school. Uh, so homework just became like, you know, the cursor for leaving. I was like, I can't do all this stuff. Like I can't, I can't do seven 48 by 48 charcoal drawings in a night with doing like logos for my friends and stuff like that so i was like you know what my head's not in the game for Mm -hmm. this yeah my head's like in the game you know not not necessarily the school game so i was completely uh, honestly if i could go back i would have completely taken full advantage of that but uh, you know you learn a lot about work ethic in that school and that's Mm -hmm. those are the things you take out of it you know if you if you're really looking for stuff to take out of that school you take it with you moving forward um so yeah it was it was a good three years i think it's yeah, definitely a good three years for sure no i i, I definitely get that it was a good experience and it's kind of you know the reason why you went out there and kind of opened up all these other doors for you yeah yeah you know and it's like a revolving door and like as soon as i left school there's like so much to get into out there because you're you don't have plans really when you live out there it just kind of kind of it kind of just unfolds whether it be like you leave the apartment one day and then like, oh, you see your homie here. Mm-hmm. You see your homie here. Oh, there's a job this person wants you to do. Yeah, let me go to my apartment and just whip it out real quick. You know, take three days, maybe four days. Um, but yeah, it was like, as soon as that door closed for school, I was in it. It was like a fluid, it was like a stream. Mm-hmm. I just like kept going and going. Um, I do wish I could have spent more time with friends when I lived out there, cause I was, I had my head down, like working constantly, working on graphics, working on stuff for people. Um, I don't regret it cause it, you know, it, it got my skills sharper. If anything, it got my skills sharper and it like really got me focused on the big picture. But, uh, you know, 
if there if there were moments where I could have been engaged more with certain people, I feel like I could have I could have had a better time. But it, any cartoonist or um, person who does what I do, it's such a hard balance. You gotta you gotta figure out the middle ground because you're you're working on your craft and you're kind of you got your head down. You you feel like you're isolated, and then the other side, you're like, oh shit, I'm in New York. I gotta get out there and like see what's up with this rooftop. Like, I gotta like see what's going on with these people down here. Like, mm-hmm. you know, you're networking at the same time, but also you're, <laughs> you got your head down and you're super engulfed in your work. Um, New York was definitely most of that, trying to figure out that balance. And was there a, a certain point where like, okay, you had, uh, you know, your commissions open, but what, was there a certain point where like, holy shit, this is actually like a thing. Like I'm getting so many requests, like, like people actually like fuck with my work. Like this could be like a, like a real job for me. Oh yeah, man. Um, it definitely, it definitely helped getting involved with, uh, like I, a lot of my friends I met out there including like my friend Julian who does stray rats. Um, those guys were like the overlookers for me. Cause they were like, Oh, like we can get you this job here. Cause you, you're so good at this. Mm-hmm. Like you, you've established yourself like hardcore stuff that we can get you a job doing this for this person. So I was like, Oh wow. Like you're kidding me. Like I can, I can do something for someone at this level. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that, that hunger for doing bigger stuff and expanding out of, you know, just, you know, no shade on any bands, but like a hundred dollars for a logo sometimes in New York is like, fuck, that's, that's food for three days, yeah. you know? So you have to like really manage like how you're making your income out there. So of course I was like, yeah, let's, I want to do bigger stuff. Like mm. I want to say yes to everything that's gonna level me and take me higher up that mountain. So I, um, you know, I really thank people like Coops from Stray Rats for offering bigger stuff on my plate. Like he got me some like jobs for like Tyler Creator to like draw like little hat designs and stuff like that. So, and like, that was like quick, easy money. And then I was like, that's sick. Like people are going to buy that shit because there's fans out there who love his stuff. So mm-hmm. it's going to like be subliminally my drawing without like completely taking ownership of it. And I noticed that brands do that. And I started spending time with my buddy, Nicholas Heller, who, um, who goes by New York Nico on Instagram. I met him out there too, because he was a fan of my work through Instagram. And at this time, you know, of course I'm just posting flyers for people and, you know, not even hardcore flyers, just like flyers for hip hop shows that were happening. Uh, Show Me The Body was getting big at that time. So I think when I was doing stuff for them, he found out my stuff. Mm-hmm. And then he was like, oh, like I can get you a job doing bigger stuff. Like, let me let me bring you into my stream and go like, I'm doing a shirt with this brand Noah and we can get your design on one of their shirts. And I was like, of course, I couldn't say no because from afar, I'm like, checking out all this shit, seeing the appeal of it, completely making my own opinion of it and going, damn, this is sick, actually. Mm -hmm. Like, this is, this is like the artist I wanted to be in high school, but like, it's completely happening in front of my face without any decisions besides saying yes and no to things. Mm -hmm. So I was like, I was really grateful for that because like, it got me established. And I think when people see that, like, uh, 
not only like the portfolio, but like just the wide range of work you can do, you can really cover a lot of ground and get to where you want to be and just kind of like jump from stone to stone to different projects just to get closer to like the landing. It was super cool. And I think it's cool to hear that you met people who actually wanted to help see you grow because, you know, obviously I I feel like sometimes you can run into these people who have like this like famine mindset where they think that there's not enough to go around. So they'll want to see people fail or they don't want to help people grow. Um, but for you to have met those people who wanted to share the wealth and kind of, you know, help you grow alongside them. I, I think that's fucking awesome. Dude, yeah. And, and if anything, they pushed me, they like, they told me when something was whack mm-hmm. and, and I, I like that because um, you know, if someone's like just being uh, like a yaysayer, all the time about something you're doing and not being constructive construction, like being constructive and um, fully taking advantage of that. Like, you know, those two cents from people, even if you don't take the, the knowledge, you're going to apply it moving forward. Yeah. So each project, I didn't want to, I didn't want to have any weak links in any big project I was doing. Um, that's why I like completely cultivated what I wanted to do and like what style I wanted to do. And like, what inks and what like kind of nib pens I was using. I like, I had to completely find that foundation so that moving forward, I can be like, okay, this is, I have everything close at hand. I could just boom, bang it out. Um, things work differently now. Cause I have an iPad and I could color stuff a lot easier. I could, you know, send things faster just via PDF to like certain printers and stuff like that. Um, but back then I would like worked on paper a lot more. So I'm like, you know, cranking things out for people and realizing uh, that the not only the image that's being put on a shirt is worth value, but like the actual piece of paper I drew on could be worth something in the future too. So I just, I stocked like, here I have like, this is, this is called like the archive. Okay. Oh, and wow. this is just like a stack of drawings that I put into a container and I gave it a title. It's called the archive, <laughs> but it's it like, like this grows so that like in the future I can look back and just say like, okay, like this was all done in this year. This was all done in this year, almost like a coffee table book in my mind. That's mm-hmm. like established this whole different era of work for myself. And it's, it's very, it, it's very healthy to be consciously aware of that. Like, uh, timelines for yourself, setting a timeline and going like, okay, I'm done with that style. I'm done with like this look. I have to change it up because otherwise you're going to get so bored doing the same thing all the time. And I think saying yes to those big jobs completely helped me, completely helped me like branch out into new stuff because not gonna, not gonna lie. I was obsessed with like cross hatching. I was obsessed with like, uh, making things like super rendered and uh you know from the likes of like robert crumb and guys like gilbert shelton and like these are older 70s like smoke shop cartoonists who were putting out comics back in the day i was i'd stare at that stuff and want to recreate it probably for my own better good just to get better at drawing um but i realized a lot of people want simpler stuff because you gotta you gotta cater to the this new audience of people because people want simple design people want stuff that's readable from far away, not like some overly drawn stuff. But that was all just to kind of make a name for myself and completely, um, you know, give me a fat, like a 
a financial cushion too when I'm living out there because it's it's tough. <laughs> you know, I was paying nine hundred dollars for a room, probably the size of your room. I don't know how big your room is, but it looks about the same size. Mm -hmm. That's but yeah, that's crazy. You know, but I'm just happy that you're able to make it work and kind of get that, you know, that solid, you know, ground um, with your artwork and be able to have those connections and get those jobs. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, it comes from like just working your tail off completely. Just like I said, saying yes to a lot of stuff until you realize you can start saying no, you know, and that's one value. Like That's like one valuable thing I've kind of like learned from other people mm -hmm. is completely making the time. And uh, I had a conversation with uh, my partner, Ashley, about this yesterday, too, about like completely making time for yourself, too, so that you can, you know, whether it's reading or being distracted by video games or anything like that, just to like completely refresh and recharge so that you're ready for the next project. You know, find new stuff that you're into, you know, find like new books, new artists, and, uh, you know, see if that can, you know, kind of like guide you to a new project or a new style. Um, that really helps. And, and I think that's nice because it makes you multiversed in different styles and different mediums and stuff like that. Art school definitely helped like me realize that you can put down watercolor paints and then pick up ink pens and draw like crazy with your fucking pens and scratching your books. Mm -hmm. And then you could pick, put that down and pick up something else because you've, you've put the time and effort into it. You know, it's the same with music. You know, you can put the microphone down after you've said some words to people and then like transition that same energy that you put into that into like a wider, vaster project, you know, whether it be a painting or something like that. It's, it's super fun, man. I, I love doing what I do because it is, it is, um, it's, a, it's like a learning, it's an education in itself. There was no book that says like, this is how you deal with, <laughs> this is how you deal with this type of work you're doing. Mm -hmm. And you know, you're learning about everything. I'm sure you're learning about podcasting so much all the time. Oh yeah. Like, trust me when, when I started this, I, I had nobody to, to call up and be like, Hey, like, um, how do you deal with this certain situation? Cause like everything that I've done up until this point, I've modeled after the Joe Rogan experience, uh, yeah. Ariel Hawani's MMA hour. And that's it. Like, this is me doing kind of imitating what my favorite shows have done. Yeah. So, oh, yeah. um, yeah, so it, it's been hard, but you know, as, uh, you know, more people start doing podcasts. It, it was cool to kind of have like a couple people that I can reach out to and, you know, vice versa, then reach out to me and we can kind of have these conversations about, uh, uh, you know, doing podcasts. So it, it, it's, uh, you know, fun now. Well, it, it's been fun the whole time, but more fun that there's other people doing it so that I ha kind of have people that I can reach out to and talk to about it. No, absolutely. I, I one of my favorite things to do is, I mean, aside from listening to your stuff when I'm at work, because I work at a art store downtown here in Wilkes-Barre. Um, I'll listen to like Tim Ferriss and mm -hmm. Tim Ferriss is so good at conversations. And like, I, like I listen to the office hours podcast with Tim Heidecker. That's also great. Mm -hmm. Like there's so much to listen to and like learn about conversation hundred mm percent -hmm. now than ever. Cause conversation is, is key. Yeah, it, it really is. And you know, you could be in your bubble all you want, but if you're not having a conversation with someone and like having idea bubbles pop up, you're like, 
you're going to get trapped, you know? Yeah. hundred percent. And speaking of that conversation, uh, I, I wanted to ask you about, um, the, the radio show that you do, um, low brim. Uh, I, yeah, I, yeah, low, I, I was kind of curious, low like, like how did low brim start? Cause it, cause it's more than just the radio. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, uh, low brim, low brim is kind of my wheelhouse. It's like a wheelhouse for, uh, my design. Uh, so low brim studio has always just been kind of the, it, it started in my bedroom in Brooklyn mm-hmm. where I was like, this is my drafting table I need a name for all this stuff with all my knickknacks. It's just going to be called low brim. And, and it kind of came from just doodling in my sketchbook and trying to figure out a name. And also I was really into wearing hats all the time. Cause I had a receding hairline still do mm-hmm. a very gnarly one. So I keep a hat on and I'm like, you know what? Low brim. My hat is low. My lo- my brim is low. You know, like it kind of came like that. It's like, it's like coming up with like a skateboarding team yeah. when you're a kid and just like sticking with that. Like, yo, our team, we're called the dumb fucks. Like and really repping the dumb fucks. Yeah. <laughs> that That's like how I felt starting low brim and going like, oh, wow. Like it, it can actually be a thing. It could be like a, like I said, a wheelhouse for projects or coming up with, um you know books that i want to put out um and stuff like that and then as time went on living here in wilkes i've like kind of established putting out some zines i put out some of my sketchbooks as zines and stuff like that um i was so eager to get out of my apartment and open a studio i've always wanted to kind of open like a creative space where i could also go there with like my friends and just like talk about stuff kind of like what we're doing here, but in a bigger room mm-hmm. and, you know, kind of get in touch with each other more because, you know, COVID really separated me. It killed me not seeing some of my, some of my close friends. So I thought um, it actually started with contacting Matt Wren, um, who does dark medicine. Mm-hmm. He has a, he has a store, not a store, um, like a studio there where he packages orders and, you know, it's the dark medicine spot. It's mm-hmm. based in Wolfsbear. It's, uh, it's very secluded. It's very close to Angelo's pizza. That's another great thing. So I asked him one day, I said, do you know anything about this spot? I- I'd love to get a room here. I'd love to get a space where I could paint or anything like that. Um, Matt being super helpful as always, he's like, you should hit up Tom. Tom is the landlord. He's, he's, doesn't charge you out the ass for a spot here. Mm -hmm. Uh, You can make it happen. (laughs) And then I was just like, okay, I'll call him the next day. And it happened like, like that, like super quickly. He like, Tom was like, yeah, well, you want to meet up Wednesday? And, and I was like, next Wednesday. He's like, yeah, let's meet up next Wednesday. So I'm like, holy shit. Like this might actually happen. Mm -hmm. And I didn't, you know, me being like completely antsy. I didn't ask him like how much it would be or anything like that. All I did was meet up with him next Wednesday. He showed me a couple spots um, that were in the building. One in particular that had, uh, you know, it's a very old building to kind of paint the picture. It's it's a building that I think it used to be a archival spare storage spot. Okay. So it has like, you know, there's like leakage spots and some of the tiles on the ceiling, but like it is what it is. It's actually fun fact. It's attached to the hive where a lot of these Wilkes-Barre shows happen. Mm-hmm. So that was another part of my appeal for the place. I was like, great, I can go to the studio and then walk over to a show. Yeah, It's like everything in one, you know? Plus Matt's right there. I can see him whenever I want. So I 
I, I was like, this is great. Like, I'm, I'm really into this spot. I was going to go for it. It had like three windows, um, very big space. It was actually um, a space that uh, this old piano repairman, he used to repair pianos in this room. So I thought that was really exciting. I was like, that's cool. Like there's some big tables here, you know, we can utilize these and like make a radio. Cause I, I had the idea to start, you know, having conversations and like recording mixes and stuff like that. I wanted a space to do that as well as draw pictures mm -hmm. and paint stuff. So I, I almost gave him the green light on it until we left the room and someone was leaving the room across the hall. And he was like, Hey, my partner passed away. I'm, I'm thinking about completely getting out of here. Like, um, and his partner was the person who he held, who he, um, had the space with. Mm -hmm. So he was getting ready to go. And Tom was like, the landlord, do you want to come check out this spot? So we walked over into the next room. Turns out he had this whole vast, like perfect spot laid out, it had like a nice little cubicle area. And my first thought was ding, like low brim radio. We'll put it in this corner. It's mm -hmm. perfect. It's perfect. Um, I got so stoked on that spot that I was just like, anything you want to leave behind here, just let me know. Like, I'd love to keep this space, like just to make life easier for you. So you're not like moving furniture out. Like, yeah, you can leave behind some shelves, stuff like that. So by our luck and just by good timing, I, I think definitely good timing. We yeah. got like the perfect spot for us where we could start a radio show. And, you know, I've always had this idea just inspired by some of my favorite like mixes that were like NTS radios, a huge and a huge inspiration because they've, they constantly feed mixes and ideas and it kind of gives people an experience to share music that they're not really, uh, you know, well-versed in mm -hmm. or people aren't well-versed in the music that they're sharing. So it's like super exciting to want to do something like that. And I've always thought to myself, like, there's so, there's so much music I just want to play from vinyl or from my phone and like talk over and like describe. So it's not a Spotify playlist. It's like, yeah. I can like, I can like talk about why this song is important at like a while it's being recorded into like an hour long file and put on SoundCloud. So I, I was like, this is the perfect room for that. Like we can be as loud as we want. Fucking shows happen in the next, in the room next door. Mm -hmm. Like we could be as loud as we want. And I think that was key, getting a space where we can be as loud, you know, as as crazy as that sounds being loud, because it gets pretty quiet in there sometimes, especially when we're painting and drawing. But I was like, I need a space where we can kind of feed these ideas. And back to the low brim idea, like that was the idea. I was like, this will be low brim, like low brim will be this whole space. I even have like a like a sticker on the door that just says like it's like the low rem spot mm -hmm. and you open the door and you can totally get the idea that this is where like creative people bounce ideas and I'm, i've completely realized that we're in a good spot we share we share it with uh we share it with peter maria mm -hmm. um peter maria's girlfriend Haley, uh lucy shimo who's an amazing artist from this area as well she shares the spot too so it's kind of a revolving door with our close-knit people so yeah. we kind of want it to feel like a community space and that's where the low brim community radio comes into par where it's um, community driven you know and you know very soon eventually we've only opened the space in may but soon in the future we want to start getting more people involved doing like drawing nights and um 
not like the cheesy like paint and drink wine kind of things but like <laughs> oh, you know man. what i'm saying yeah no i, I hate those i've done that i'm only Have you? <laughs> not drink but uh it was for like a friend's birthday they're like hey like we're gonna do this painting night and i'm i, I, I i'm not artistic at all i suck so I, i'm i picture me trying to follow along to the, like this bob ross episode like right they, they put on this bob ross episode and they're like, all right this is what we're gonna do tonight like we all had like our, oh, our blank canvas our paint in front of us and i'm like are you kidding me like i can't even do anything so i'm trying to follow along with <laughs> bob ross who's trying to like explain how to do everything it's impossible like possible super- to follow along to dude it was it, it was embarrassing it was rough i love when he beats the shit out of that brush he's just like yeah but then like even like watching him paint i'm just like how how did it end up like this? Like, so like, you know, beautiful. I'm just like, this is insane. But I've been doing that for so long, but yeah, like that was our whole, uh, like, that was our whole thing. You know, we just, we wanted to, uh, you know, cause in Wilkes-Barre, there's so many good artists here mm-hmm. that kind of get looked under cause it is Wilkes-Barre. And, uh, we kind of just wanted a safe space for that. Yeah. I think it's that timing that, that you're talking about, right? Like imagine, if you didn't show up on that Wednesday or imagine if um, that, uh, you know, uh, their partner didn't die. Uh, and it's just like, imagine this, just like these um, things, uh, you know, just were a little different. Like you w- wouldn't have found or been able to see that space. So that's that, that's wild yeah. how it all like worked out that way. No, it, it was like kind of a strange twist of fate mm-hmm. how that worked out. It was and I'm I'm stoked that that spot was still available because you know I mean as much as they're still working on the, the building they're yeah. working on the roof all the time because it's like 500 years old it's so it's such an old spot that uh, was able to get that room that yeah. it's just right across the hall from us and uh, crazy. The walls are so thin but like you can you can completely just run into someone as soon as you're leaving a spot which yeah. is great too so you're not isolated yeah it's I, perfect yeah see and I I didn't know in the building like I, I knew about matt wren and the hive and you but i didn't know that that building so that that's awesome to hear that you guys are all under that one roof yeah i'm not yeah i i might have i might have said too much about him being there but <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> can right. we bleep his name out <laughs> um yeah that that but that's super awesome though that, that you're able to do that and uh and, oh, yeah. and to be honest like i i think uh, uh the lobram radio is, is pretty cool because i've listened to some episodes so i'm like all right i can't figure out what i want to listen to because i'm so fickle with like you know the totally. all the different genres that i listen to so i'm like all right like let me put on something that um i might not be familiar with and like let me uh have uh, you know other people teach me about music that i probably would have never even thought to put on so it's been cool to oh, yeah. kind of just listen and hear different perspectives on music. And then even I'm um, hearing some fun episodes uh, with like the uh, the Meatballs Unite episode, which I thought was so funny because I'm such a huge <laughs> fan of Jersey Shore. So I'm like, oh, what? Just like a Jersey yeah, Shore yeah. episode? Like, let me tune into this. This is this is fun. So. Oh, man. Ashley would be so happy to hear that. That was that was like her. Like, no one's going to listen to this. We're just going to like go so unfiltered. It's going to be like the coolest shit ever because we're not going to care mm-hmm. and just do it. Cause we, they actually, prior to that, they went to the Jersey shore house and like walked around. Oh, wow. Okay. Holy shit. Like we're picking up the duck phone. Mm -hmm. Like this is crazy. Uh, So it was, it was my, um, it was my pleasure to like put that out on there. I was like, it's gotta be on here. Of Mm -hmm. course it's unfiltered. It's like, that's like art in itself. It's just like saying, fuck it. We're going to make a Jersey shore meatballs unite thing. And like, let it be out there for people who do care 
yeah. or also don't care. You know, it's it is what it is. I'm stoked that you like that one. No. Yeah, no, it's it, really it, cool. it, it, it's fun to to know that people um, are just like comfortable and, and just getting out there and kind of just like, you know, showing a, a different sides to themselves. So I, I think that's, um, you know, one awesome thing that I got from that um, on, on top of, like, like I said, like the music that I was just like, you know, not familiar with and just being able to kind of just chill and just kind of, you know, gain some new perspective. So I, I think it's really awesome. That's awesome, man. Yeah, we're going to keep them coming. We're going to keep them coming. Mike uh, from Akulu, he does a show called Wavelength Sessions mm-hmm. and he's just been like feeding records that he's kind of bought over the years because he's worked at he's he's worked at a record store so he's you know he's been able to cultivate some kind of collection of records too so he's been organizing that and doing shows every week we're trying to do it once or twice a week but uh as of recently we slowed down because of traveling but we've uh we've got some we've got some stuff ahead i'm, I'm really excited i just like i like i like my, my favorite part is to just plug it in and go for it yeah. without like a, a, a planned schedule just being like hey we're here we're like drawing today should we just like play some songs that were you know that that's in like our liked on spotify and just yeah. like talk about them i think i think more people should do that you know um kind of talk about why they like music i'm sure it's like stuff we do already but like yeah. even if we're far away and you're listening to music you're, you can at least be like, oh, like, oh, shit, he heard this song from this movie. OK, I got to check that movie out, you know, 100 percent. Yeah, no, for sure, because uh, people have like their own perspectives. And, and that's what I'm always um, interested in, because obviously uh, oh, yeah. there's like, uh, you know, we we look at one album and we all like collectively know that it's great, but I know we don't hear it the same. So I, I, I would I always am curious to, to kind of hear um, you know other people's thoughts on something that we all share. Oh yeah, man. Absolutely. Dude. I, I bought so much gear for that too, mm-hmm. for the radio show, like gear that I didn't know. I mean, I'm like somewhat well-versed in audio cause I used to record stuff in the past, but I bought a lot of gear and I didn't know what to do with it. So I had to like figure out the twists and turns and like how to like fade music in mm-hmm. when you're talking on the mic and add effects to the mic on the mixer. It's just like a PA mixer kind of thing, kind of deal. But it's been so fun to play with. I feel like I'm actually doing something when I'm doing it. Yeah, like a real uh, radio host. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's like it's definitely scratching that itch to be a radio host. Mm -hmm. I've always wanted to do that. I hate hearing my voice talking back, but it's uh, I do love the, the mixes we get to do. Yeah, no, it's no, I'm, I'm the right there with you, man. Like, uh, all throughout high school, I, I had like this foreign language teacher, uh, because uh, I, I, I took Japanese for like three years in high school, and mm. she was just like, You should be on the radio with your voice. That's what she would tell me all the time. And I'm like, I don't want to be on the radio. And then, you know, fast forward to some odd years later, and here I am, I'm, you know, putting a podcast out, you know, multiple times a week. <laughs> Uh, for you know everybody to listen to so it's, it's kind of crazy yeah. like when i think about it i'm like oh how do i end up here I, i'm like where my japanese teacher wanted me to be no yeah yeah it's so funny you say that you're exactly where you should be for that reason yeah it's interesting but but it's fun like like this has never felt like a a, a chore to me like once i kind of realized and kind of got the ball rolling like it just has never stopped mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So. it's it's uh it's like that education. You just keep learning more about it. And uh, like, it, it's great too. Like the, look at the output you've done like over the past couple of weeks. It's, it's insane. I don't know how you format this. Um, you definitely make the time for it because like you said, it's like not a chore. 
Yeah. And you've completely organized your week around this and it's, it's exciting. <laughs> it's like, you know, there's always, I still have two, uh, I have Jonas to queue up after this oh, yeah. and like, yeah, I'm, I'm excited to hear that conversation, but your output is, is insane. I'm just like giving you kudos right now. No, I, I, I definitely uh, appreciate it. And and honestly, I, I don't try to like meet some quota or anything. I, I just like to have conversations with uh, people yeah. who I think are interesting or people who I'm just a fan of what they're doing. And it just turns out that, um, you know, and, and it's cool that a lot of these people um, are either already my friend or eventually we become friends. So it just makes like mm-hmm. a whole lot of like, you know, doing this easier. And then obviously like, just the, the network just keeps growing and I just get to keep meeting, um, you know, awesome people. So this is just uh, like this is a, a treat for me as much as it is for the people who um, you know care enough to listen. Oh, likewise, man. Likewise. OK. And um, uh, we'll get to the um, band, which I'm sure a lot of people have been dying to hear us talk about Ikulu. But I'm curious, uh, how long have you been um, uh, in the area that you're in now? Because I've always thought that you we're still in New York till somebody had mentioned, Oh yeah. Uh, Chris Wilson lives out here now. And I was just like, Oh, that's crazy. I, I'm, I'm surprised because I had <laughs> yeah. no idea. Dude. Yeah. So um, I think like a lot of artists or creative people, they have to, they have to travel, whether it be like getting out of wherever they're in, whatever bubble they're in, just mm-hmm. to kind of get a new perspective. Um, so I like, um, I started to reconnect with, my fiance now ashley she lived out here in um kingston kingston pennsylvania and we started to connect just like we had a true vibe we had something going and i was so excited about being in new york and and having this new partner to share it with mm-hmm. but i was like you know what we'll, we'll get a spot here you know like we'll, we'll stay in new york you know I, I asked her um, if she'd be down to move in with the roommate I was living with at the time, Freddie. Um, it turns out we just, the space was not functional. There was like no door in the space because Brooklyn apartments are hella weird. Mm-hmm. There's like a basement you go down with no door. So like, it doesn't matter. There's like little to no privacy in that way. Yeah. Um, the little privacy we did have, it just wouldn't, it wouldn't work. You know, when she, when she was over there, it just, it was a little off. So um, I was kind of like, I was hitting the five-year mark in New York and I I realized how close Wilkes-Barre and Kingston was to New York. And it gave me kind of a, a feeling of, I don't have to be here to do what I do. Um, I don't work for some big corporation. I don't, I'm not like, I mean, I love New York. I love everything New York has brought me, but like I can live in another city and go just as hard you know like um i think a lot of illustrators can understand that it's like you can pick up your work and take it to dubai if you want to like you can you can go anywhere you want because you just have your hands your ideas and the page and i was like i'm gonna do that i'm gonna go out there because i i started to with ashley she showed me everything out here everything that i wasn't already aware of um from like hiking and like there's there's so much to do out here you just got to find it and she you know sure enough we ended up finding a spot out here that worked for us after some apartment looking around and stuff looking around at some apartments we found a spot that was in like a nice little cove you know like a, a secluded area from a lot of stuff and 
it's like simple, <laughs> you know, it's like so simple. And, um, I got, I got really stoked about that. And because it was, it's like replacing rats for squirrels, you know, like okay. <laughs> complete, complete switch. If that makes sense. Uh, it's like, uh, like the, I think coming from Louisiana and like it being so flat and simple down there, I needed like to change constantly. I needed places to go and like get out of that. And I think New York, because it is such an easy way to get to, I was like, I'm going to, I'm going to book it to Pennsylvania, stay there with Ashley and like get a nice little spot for us and like really make it work out here. And um, still, like I said, do what I had to like, do what I had to do, do some projects. Um, rent is so much more affordable out here. Mm-hmm. That's another thing that really attracted me to it. I was like, I'm spending $700 right now between us for a spot that works for us. And it's 10 times longer. I remember Cheddar from, uh, Candy Akulu came here and he was walking around our apartment, which is, it's, it's a decent apartment walking around he's just like dude you got a mansion (laughs) i was like no i just like i'm in like a a quad apartment situation like there's someone above us there's someone right next to us like it's just a very long apartment and for what you pay in new york you can you can only have so much yeah no you know and i'm sure it's the same for a lot of people who are hearing this who are out midwest i mean like i'm sure they want to go to new york or they want to travel and do that but you know funds and like whatever your job is it might be holding you back sometimes so you got to make do with what you got and just like um i could still go back to new york if i wanted to like and it just be super chill like it was before and like you know see the same people i saw and like it's all connected we're all good i could see the band when i'm out there and it's all the same it's all good but you know when it time when it's time to come home i'd like to chill out, relax. So I'm not like constantly in the, in the rustle of, of things, you know? And, uh, it's, it's benefited me so much cause I got into so much more out here too. Like, you know, obviously I'm like, I'm starting to get into fishing out here, got my fishing license. So it's, it's nice to like get some fresh air and then go to the city when like it's time to go to the city yeah. and do my thing out there. So mm-hmm. It's a nice like getaway. It's 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 perfect. Yeah, I've I heard nothing but great things about that area, and I'm definitely looking forward to going out there for the first time. So I'm stoked to see what it's actually like, dude. Yeah, and there's such a good scene here. Like from art, like I said, like art scene here to the um, the youth culture, the hardcore scene here. Obviously, dude, Wolfsbear is like branded under the word hardcore. Like period. Like it's it's always going to be a staple. Like from you think about the bands that come out of here mm-hmm. and you think too, you like, it's almost like that excitement I got when I heard about New York and it, how it was possible to go to New York. It's like, damn, you can go to Wilkes-Barre and there's like good pizza. There's like dope bands from here. I'm sure everyone's trying to start a band here. Cause there's not much at the time when yeah. I moved here, which was 2018. And uh, I was like super pumped to just be out here. Cause I knew that everyone is stoked and everyone's on the same page. Um, of course, COVID kind of slowed a lot, slowed down a lot of things, but we're picking right back up. And there's like shows already lined up. We got the Warren record release. There's there's so many good shows to like look forward to. And you know, we got the Hive, which is you know, it's a it's it's a it's a spot for shows. That's for sure. Mm-hmm. It's a spot for shows. Um, so it's 
there's definitely so much to look forward to here. Um, I, I'm definitely not disappointed living out here. Oh yeah, and that's awesome that there's uh, you know so many good things happening there because I, I feel like there's just like something special in the water. Like when you look at like just the roster yeah. of bands that have come from there and that are currently you know doing like you know currently active and doing things right now, it's just like mm-hmm. it, it's always just awesome to see. And it, it just feels like it's just something special because obviously there's like the you know the the coastal scenes that are always like you know super popular where bands want to get to but then when you start getting kind of like you know to like the middle of america people start to get lost and there aren't like these like staple scenes that people want to get to um but it's just like when we look at a scene like wilkes who just like you know cultivated this awesome scene um and they've like you know made their names known and kind of you know put themselves on the map where people totally. like when, when they hear that that name they they know that there's like you know good things going on out there and i, I, and I always yeah, tell everybody totally. like it, it, it's possible like like good bands um, are everywhere. You just kind of have to go out and find them and people just have to work at getting their scenes, you know, kind of, you know, going and getting uh, people to want to stop there on tour or kind of make it a destination spot. I, I feel like it's, it's possible for everybody, but you kind of just have to put in that hard work to make it happen. <laughs> yeah, man, absolutely. Um, I mean, look what title Fight did for Kingston, you know, kind of, kind of made it, uh, made it kind of the, the, the Mount Rushmore, here you know that it is going to the the fucking you know the market street bridge or going cliff diving or you know doing stuff that you doing stuff that you've always wanted to do out here because like those people made it possible and they showed you that this is something you could do here Mm -hmm. um including like just like i don't know the spirit doesn't die here like absolutely not like new bands coming out the spirit's the same you know and, and I wasn't I wasn't here back when like Cold World was coming up and mm-hmm. or anything like that. Of course not. But uh, if I could compare it to anything, it's like that same hunger, you know. Yeah. Yeah. To yeah. like do do cool shit and represent a dope city for that same reason. It's cool. Hundred percent. Okay, so finally talk about the band um, E Cooler that you're in. I, I'm curious. Uh, when did that idea start to, to want to start that band? Cause I know you've been with some of those dudes for, for a while, you know, making music. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so Akulu was kind of a follow-up after the band countdown ended and countdown was me, Connor Jones, Mike Ralston, uh, Hardy from Texas, who I mentioned earlier and, uh, Chandler Mercer of free at last. So, so that was, that was countdowns closing. And then um, over time, Illusion, obviously mm-hmm. Connor's other band, Illusion, kicked up. Um, Illusion kind of ended up being uh, their main kind of focus at that time. So whenever Connor approached me with songs that he had written uh, with Mike, I was pretty, I was pretty like, what? Like, you want to start a new band? Like, is this something you want to do? Because Illusion was kicking off. Um, so he came to me and he was like, yo. Chris, if you could sing on this stuff or if you can like write some words to this, I think it would be sick. And we've always kind of, we've always, since the beginning, I think us three, Mike, Connor, and me, we've kind of, we've kind of created this sound that I think a lot of our songwriting kind of stems from. Mm -hmm. And we can, we can like easily, it's like, it's like being around a bunch of like magnets, you know, like they're, attached to each other some of them are some of the ideas are so far away and some of them just like instantly click it's kind of like what our conversations are regarding music and stuff like that so instantly when he approached me with that i was i was down 
I was down. I was also still living in New York at the time, but this was around the time I uh, was getting ready to move out of that basement that I was talking about mm-hmm. because, you know, there were some new, new heights to reach, you know, new places to see. So I, um, of course I was down and I think I wrote, I wrote the ruminator before it was the ruminator melt the ice and sanctuary depression all within the same day. I'm pretty sure. Oh, wow. And that was, yeah. So that happened super quickly because I listen just like most people who sing or write music, they have to listen to the music all the time. So of course I'm like joking around trying to figure out how I wanted to take the next step because countdown, the vocals are such a leap from, uh, or a step back, I should say, from what I did with this band. So I wanted to do something new with like this new influence I have, you know, constantly finding out new bands that, you know, aren't necessarily like what what Countdown was compared to. Because it's easy for bands to get compared to something, 100%. especially nowadays. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to kind of like blend that hunger of some of the vocalists that I I endured and I loved into something fresh and something new that wasn't like your average like monotone style of singing so i was like you know what like let me figure out a flow that works for me on these songs and then just bang them out bang them out um so countdown ended kulu started and then akulu didn't have a name yet akulu was nameless completely didn't know what it was until the songs were written and, and like the name I knew I just wanted to, I, I didn't want it to be attached to anything. I didn't want it to be like, uh, like, uh, like, like there's names that are like so concrete for what they are. And like, you know, think of a name like cold world mm-hmm. and how cold world is like so identifiable for it's like what it's represented. It could have some meaning to it, but it's so identifiable for just cold world. And, um, you think of a band like Sepultura, their name is so uniquely theirs that I was like, I, I want to start a band that feels like that, like something that's completely uniquely our I, our identity, kind of. Mm-hmm. So um, I ended up going to a bookstore one day. It was Desert Island in Brooklyn, um, amazing comic shop. I picked up a book called Holly Voodoo, and it was, uh, it was a book of Ghana posters from Africa of uh you know just old movie posters kind of like the stuff you see in like the deadly prey gallery like the timeless like really sick movie posters that were all hand painted for these these uh countries out there so ended up stumbling across like a poster that had the word akulu river in it and i was thinking in my head like those words are so nice together like akulu you know i ended up I didn't know how to say it either. <laughs> like I still, like I didn't know how to say it. I'm like, Ekulu, Ekulu. So I, I, you know, I'm looking it up, trying to figure out what it meant and what it means. And I kept coming across like the definition for like bigger than life, like, gr- like grand, massive. And I was like, that's really cool. That's like a, that, that can kind of create a new, a new meaning or something, you know, like it, it it's not a word that everyone can truly understand or even think too hard about. And that was like my number one thing is don't think too hard about it. Mm-hmm. It's got its own sound. It's kind of like what it's like. It's like what, when graph writers find a name for themselves, the letters go so well with what they're writing, you know, or the way it sounds. And I, I wanted it to kind of have the same feel. So the name kind of just came out of nowhere. 
from there, I was like, well, you know what? What do you guys think of a Kulu? Like, I think this is cool. And everyone's like, a Kulu? Like, that's very, that's not like a two syllable, like, you know, bum, bum, or like, like how Countdown was. It was like, that's a perfect name because it's just like, it's Countdown, boom, in your face. But this, how are you gonna make this work with a logo? Like, how, how are you gonna make this like, be its own thing, you know? So uh, after I, you know, kind of got their trust from it, you know, I started playing around with logos and I ended up using like a paint marker to do that first logo, the one that looks like a stamp. Mm-hmm. I was just like, you know, put it down on paper. It was like, this is our logo. <laughs> like same day that I wrote all the lyrics and was like, all right, perfect. Like, this is what we'll do. So and, uh, it happened super organic. It sounds like you were like super prepared with like, you know, being able to write those three songs in one day, hit the logo, uh, you know, same day. Uh, did it all just come together like organically or were you like um, already wanting to do a, a new project before they had even asked you to, um, you know, sing for the band? Uh, it, yeah. So as, as like unprepared and like quickly as it came, I like, just like anything that excites me, you know, you, you want to execute it right then and there, as soon as you're sitting down just go for it. Uh, the, the whole idea of starting that band to me was like, finally, I can like feed my expression and like, like where I want to go artistically into a band. So let me like figure out the visual, how I want to represent this stuff. And, uh, it kind of, it kind of like shifted into, um, like a space where I could like completely craft what where I wanted the band to go next and I was I was super psyched on that because everyone else was on the same page you know mm-hmm. and we didn't have we didn't have a bassist yet we didn't have another guitarist yet it was just me Mike and Connor and you know just by the you know just by good timing and you know looking in the right direction we found uh Luke Fernandez who was an eco strike and he also played in uh he played in Sandman I believe he was also in Sandman um he was just right place right time ended up playing bass for us um i think he bought a rick for the band i could be wrong <laughs> but he started playing bass with us and you know it was a good connection and cheddar was also just fresh moved to new york and so we're all kind of like transplants in that way so we're like let's do this like let's get everyone it's like a super group you know we yeah. make this happen and it just kind of grew from there i think cheddar was like looking for something creatively aside from candy and and that was just like the perfect perfect bulb for him to kind of you know express and play with connor because connor is like such a master with songwriting yeah i think personally he's so good at like coming up with a song for a feel whether it be reaction or illusion the kulu he's got that stuff so perfectly crafted that it it kind of left uh, the ideas open like endless for like how we want the songs to be represented like it gave us like groove and groove is is huge like groove is very huge in that band because like even like the past buyer i'm sure can like definitely like move their head to some of those songs like Mm -hmm. that's kind of where our our head was set on that like we just want groove because it was kind of missing at that time like a little bit of that you could say chromags groove or whatever the leeway sound like we were kind of trying to reinvent it as you, you could say we just kind of reinvent it a little bit 
uh, I, I think you guys did a great job and are still doing a great job. Uh, at what point did you kind of realize that this band was, uh, you know, kind of like a, a hit for everybody? Because obviously you guys have done a lot, you know, gone international, tra traveled the U.S. But I I'm curious, like, was there a point where you kind of realized, like, OK, people actually fuck with us. Like, um, let's see how far we can take this. Oh, for sure. Uh, I definitely it was definitely like the day like the EP released, like those three songs. It was like it was definitely like not what I expected, like the, the reaction. Cause I just, I was thinking like, Oh fuck. Yeah. Like we're going to go hard on these songs and it'll just be like another six, like another like six weeks, you know, eight weeks until like it becomes like solidified that it's like a band that's working. But within that first week, like people were like, yo, this is a new band. Like I'm pretty sure like the, in effect hardcore was like we we're reviewing this demo right now this demo is insane like it, it kind of it kind of like was like holy shit people fuck with this mm -hmm. um not in like a way that's like like i don't want to sound like too humble but like we we knew what we were doing with that we knew what we were doing with the demo because we wanted to hear music like that so we were super conscious of like where the band could go and like with those three songs it did take a while to kind of like establish okay we have three songs like how are we going to play shows you know like stuff like that but we you know of course you make it work you, you make you make all things work and then <clears throat> i will say this that i realized that the band had like a huge like a huge response when america's hardcore fest happened in 2018 mm -hmm. and that's when we played uh we played the big room in boston the hardcore stadium and uh i remember i remember asking if they could cut the lights on because i just want to see everybody go off you yeah. know because it's so hard to see in that room i don't know if you've seen videos of, i'm sure you've seen videos of that room like it's always dark mm -hmm. you can't see what's going on it's like i remember the day by day set that year was super dark and hard to see it might have been the year before but anyways like i knew i knew like i wanted the lights on i wanted to see everyone i wanted everyone to be able to catch each other and like see each other um the room packed out as soon as i as soon as i'm like making my way to the front um the room packed out we played the set and like i've just never seen that many people go off to like you know three songs and i was yeah. like super juiced on that i was so juiced because this is like i was like finally i can have songs that like mean something to me that aren't just like willy-nilly like i gotta make hard songs i gotta make songs that are tough like these are songs that like i've always kind of wanted to say lyrically onto music that is made by my best friends so mm -hmm. i was completely hyped on that and people were going off, you know, like there's so many people who came out because AHC Fest, you got people from all over. Yeah. So that was and, and when you're at AHC Fest, you feel a, a real sense of like unity with different scenes because, you know, you're, you know, you're the people you're following and seeing on social media from like across the country are there. And you can finally link up with them and catch their band and like just just like kind of have a moment of friendship, too like at the show so it's it was a really surreal feeling to like see everyone from all over the country kind of like going off for us i remember jay from mind force was like bro 
I went, I went downstairs. I didn't see no one down there. It was a ghost town. I was like, that's crazy. <laughs> that was like the coolest feeling. That's awesome. That's a great impersonation. Um, I actually had some friends from out here who flew specifically just to see you guys that year. They're just like, they're like, this band's too good. We got to be there for this. And they, they, they flew out and like, they came back That's and like, so wild. yeah, they, they came back and they just like, could not shut up about how awesome like that set was. So it was, it was like remarkable. I, I like still like, like the video is online and you could, you could watch it and you see Connor Jones's brother right next to his amp. Mm-hmm. And like, if anyone's listening to this, go back and watch that and just look at like Connor's brother's reaction the whole time. And this is like his first time, like seeing, uh, obviously seeing a cool show, but like seeing a show that vast and that many people like going off and like moshing as hard as they could to like those songs and you just see his reaction. Mm-hmm. And that's how I felt too. I felt the same way, but like when you're on stage, you're kind of just like in your zone, you're in your zone completely. Okay. So you guys followed up, uh, the you know first record with half alive, uh, and did you guys want to get back, you know, really fast with putting out some new material? Because uh, obviously it was like, uh, I think like less than a year from the first release. Yeah. So, so we needed something to, we needed something to promote this tour we were doing with uh, like just new songs to take on, on the road. Cause we were touring with abusive power and candy at the start of that year too. So as soon as half alive and emulation came out, uh, triple B put those out to seven inch um, records came at such a good time. The band's hype was still kind of lingering and we were like trying to f- take full advantage of that and drop two good songs that I felt like were kind of a departure from a departure from the first EP, you know, in a way where emulations, a song about, you know, dealing with like heroes and dealing with like, you know, trying your best to, completely do your own thing aside from the heroes that you have and the, mm-hmm. you know, role models that you carry. And then half alive is about like, that's like the motivation. That's like the, <laughs> that's like the red bull. That's like the, all right, like get up, go do something. It's, it's like our get up, get out basically. So, so I was like, I need these songs. Cause I want to, I want to sing these songs. Like, I, like this is the perfect timing for this. And the tour just so happened to be like under 10 days. It was pretty short. Mm-hmm. And I was like, this is, this is perfect. Cause we'll, pl- we'll play these new songs. We're like super well-practiced on these. They've, you know, the band aside from me being out here was practicing in New York the whole time. So they're like, I've had enough time to like save my voice. So I'm not blowing it out of practice and they can prepare the songs so that when we do hit the road, I could just like warm up as I'm playing the shows. So it was, it was great. Like, that timing couldn't have come perfectly with like it was kind of a year apart right uh i based off the the, the band camp uh the self-titled was released july 29th 2018 and then half alive came out february 18th 2019 that's right that's right so that yeah it's perfect because then the tour happened in march okay. yeah it makes a lot of sense yeah so it was completely it was completely good timing i, I feel like those those songs, including like the artwork are such a departure from like what the look and the style we represented on mm-hmm. that first project. So it, it like was my time to like introduce kind of a new theme a little bit. Theme is so crucial to like what we do. 
Yeah. And um, obviously with uh, those two releases, um, you know, not a lot of songs on each um, you know, release. You know, the first one with three, the second one with two. <laughs> Yeah, uh, yeah. And uh, at that point, um, I mean, obviously, like you know, the, uh, the song length, um, you know, are you know generally uh, longer than uh, your, your typical hardcore band. But for you guys, um, at that point, did you have any um, ideas to want to do like a EP with like maybe like you know four or six songs, or were you guys just prepping to do a full LP? You're talking about like following Half Alive, like the Half Alive seven inch. Uh, I'm I'm talking about I'm like leading up to to uh, Half Alive, or or even I'm um, you know thoughts after Half Alive. Oh yeah. Well, uh, I think I think we we wanted to like, <clears throat> I think we were aware of like letting, like feeding the people a few songs so that we can cultivate our sound mm -hmm. a little bit more. And as quickly as the LP kind of came to us, you know, maybe Connor. I'm sure Connor can describe like the songwriting part a little bit longer than I could because on my side, because I was so far from them, I couldn't like sit in on some of the songwriting spots mm -hmm. um, for the LP, but we never really had an intention to like drop something short or small because we, we knew the LP was going to be our say all, you know, like it's going to be like, this is the riffs we bring. This is like, the the rhythm section we carry and this is the this is the like vocal side of what we do i think uh we didn't really like we didn't even base ourselves off of any other band where we weren't like oh like this band did this so we're gonna do this and do this we were just kind of like writing songs when we felt like the song should have came out and so that long gap was definitely like from half alive to unscrew my head was such a long gap, but mm -hmm. it's because of this past year and being so separated. I think a lot of us moved a little bit, but we were still focused on the band in a way. Um, obviously we played a lot of those shows in 2019. Um, so we, we toured with illusion in August of 2019 and then we ended up going to Europe. So from there, we were kind of like trying to figure out where the next theme could go. And, uh, you know, it wasn't in like an, it wasn't in like a six song EP or a seven inch, you know, we didn't think that would be the best direction. LP was our next thought mm -hmm. for sure. Cause any band wants to see their stuff on a 12 inch, you know, I, I think, I think a, a lot of us did, especially coming from like demo core, <laughs> you know, like we've all, you know, the seven inch to us back then was like, Oh, hell yeah. Like finally we're, we're an established band, but like now that we're a little more matured and excited, we can do straight to 12 inch and it feels a lot more real. So, yeah. And, uh, Connor Jones, he's been on the podcast a couple of times and before the, the last time he came on, he had mentioned like, yeah, um, we're you know taking our time with writing these songs and it could even be years before the next record comes out. So I'm happy that, um, you know, unscrew my head came sooner than um you know the projected timeline that he had because uh we're kind of just left in the dark you know and obviously like we never want to rush uh you know the artists we want them to take the time and try to put out the best product um possible but for that or for unscrew my head to come sooner than what he had projected i, I was actually really stoked and um you know pleasantly surprised because I, I feel like uh right now uh, equal is one of those bands where um, everything that they've put out has been solid like you know there's bands with like just, you know bigger discographies where you can just kind of pick apart you know certain albums or or you know not so good but i feel like everything that you yeah, put yeah. out so far has just been super solid <laughs> and it's just kind of um mind-blowing that it's like you know you guys 
or just like doing something great and for for you guys to put out uh you know this full length i, I was like all right these guys like are you know definitely something to keep an eye on because um like i said everything that you've done so far has been great and it's, it's just really cool that you guys are able to come out with this full length and it just be you know just like killer from front to back fuck yeah man fuck yeah yeah that means a lot yeah we we were so we were so ready to like take that next step and just mm-hmm. go for it and just put the LP out. And a lot of it had to do with like the excitement of starting a new label and yeah. like, and like with cash only and doing something that felt like good timing and not like a forced effort to just kind of slip into the wayside under another labels progression. You yeah. know what I'm saying? So, so we felt like, uh, we felt like the LP would be just the best establishment to like, kind of represent who we are going forward you know because all those songs there's there's a lot of songs on the lp that are so different from one another whether it be vocally or style wise like artistically some of them are hilarious and some of them are actually like incredibly constructed so it's like there's a lot of uh back and forth with that we we wanted to take our time connor specifically took his time with those um lyrics the LP came uh, with a lot of group effort too. Um, the guys came out here to Wilkes-Barre. Um, I won't say just for the pizza, but they, they came out here just for the pizza uh-huh. and and to see us and to just kind of like talk about the the record and like where it could go. And like they wanted to see the lyrics because I, you know, for this LP, I typed out the lyrics because I knew that if I wrote them down, some of them I wrote down but I ended up transferring them to the computer so that I can like add as I go. And if I'm have the songs on repeat, I can just like add edit notes as I go. Um, but I, I showed them the lyrics and they would be like, that one could be switched with something else. And like, you know, they, they help me constructively where to take the music and where to take the songs. And like, I would like describe to them the vibe. I'm like, I right, so unscrew my head. It's like, it's like the Friday. It's like, it's Friday. You just got off your job. You're going to like go to a show. You're going to go like hang out at this party. You're going to unscrew your head. Cause you're just like, you're eager to get those thoughts out. You're eager to just like mosh. You just want to let it go. And they were like, fuck yeah, keep that one. Like keep that one. Like that's a good one. Because a lot of them understood that I wanted something that wasn't too personal, but something they could relate to. Mm-hmm. And that, and like anyone, when they see that title, you know, they're going to say, what's that? Like unscrew my head. It's because like, that's the kind of record I needed to hear was like a record that was like, yo, I know you're stressed, but that shit's going to be there Monday. Like, let it go. Like go outside, do what you got to do. Stuff I needed to hear, you know? And it was definitely exciting to write that down because you're almost writing from a different perspective to tell you to, to, to like honestly tell yourself something because any person who's writing something down, whether it be any band that has come out in the past year, they're writing that stuff down to tell themselves something, mm-hmm. something they might not even know about themselves yet. But over time, that stuff is going to help, you know, it's going to definitely help guide you. And I, and I was, I was like so ready for an LP for that reason, like to have something that was solidified and concrete and something that I could, carry forth and be proud of because like the lp to me is is got it's got all the it's got all the kind of tracks that you want to hear specifically a hardcore fan you know 
from like crazy guitar solos to, you know, there's some, there's something that caters for everybody on that thing. So, yeah, I, I told Connor and it's still true to the same. My favorite track is uh, who's in control. Oh yeah. Yeah. Yeah, man. Super sick song. And I, I'm curious about, uh, the, um, the cover art uh, is that uh, the guy in the gray is that the sandman or is that just does that That's tie awesome. together I, I heard you mention that in connor's interview mm-hmm. uh so the sandman um obviously the, the sandman is the representation of time you know it's it's the hourglass mm-hmm. and it's it's kind of the end of humanity and like to kind of like uh, like the theme of the record for me was becoming new life jam you're born mm-hmm. and then as time goes on you're going through these trials and you're going through the trusted you're going through so much and then at the end you're dressed up you're laid down put me to sleep lay me down and that's where this that's where the the pulley squeak and you see that you know you see the casket go into the ground and that's the end of life and that's that's what that was to me that's the sandman's theme mm-hmm. is closing the record i hate to be this philosophical no it's awesome like, it's awesome no it's it's kind of like i mean it goes back to like my love for music back then is because like they constructed this movie like m- music can be a movie if you want it to mm-hmm. you know it, you can make it what you want it to be and lead it to the next chapter when you're ready so i was i was like you know what i'm gonna rest this era of us and like uh you know like growing up i was a fan of my chemical romance and they're so good at like that. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like the Black Parade, the end of that record is the famous last words. And that's like their sign off from that era to start the new era where they have ray guns and like they're like a whole new band. So for me, that was like that for me. I was like, all right, I'm going to sign off this record with like something good, you know, question religion, question reality, question, um, you know, are my ideas and thoughts just like being bounced back to me? Or are they like just going into oblivion? And that's kind of what that was. So um, the record, the cover art on the topic of the cover art, that is the symbol. That is the Aku symbol. That is kind of like, um, it's the yin and yang. It's the two-face. It's kind of a theme of the two-face where it's like, you know, you have a walrus and you have a demon. <laughs> it's kind of like the two, uh, Connor calls them the Akulu demons because they're the Akulu demons they're the they're the devil and angel uh it's kind of like uh what the representation of us as people like we have the good side and we have the bad side but also that that space on the cover where like it's just a desert plain if i can describe it as simply as i can it's just like the place where we're hanging on to like the last bit of life we have and that's where those those mothers who are hugging each other that kind of just represents like the end of time, you know, I also painted this around the time of the pandemic and mm. people are fading. I'm so confused that people are dying. I was also like, I was hurt over people's passings, you know, like that weren't COVID related, you know, whether it be like my friend Riley or something like that. It's just so confusing to me. Like, what do I have to hang on left besides like those around us, you know, our, our partners, our families, our mothers. So the theme of that was like, this is like, yeah, they're cold, they're blue. It's the end of time for them. But like, at least that Akulu statue is still there and the candles are lit. Like that's kind of 
that was our like theme for that record mm-hmm. was the good, the bad, the start, the end, the, the start of life and then the end of life for a lot of people and a lot of us, you know, like whether it be like, I don't want to stretch this out too long, but like that was a theme for us, like starting that record and then closing it. Cause then I'm sure new ideas are going to come and we don't want to create the same record we made last year. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But it's also crazy too that, um, you know, for, uh, you know, you guys closing out that record with that track, I feel like the life of that record has just begun because, uh, you know, with shows just coming back, you guys have your record release in September, which I think is an awesome lineup. But then you look at, you know, how it, the, the record is sold out. It's just like, yeah, like this thing has only just begun. So it's, it's kind totally, of, yeah, yeah it's, it's kind of crazy to, to, to think, you know, like the like the whole like writing process and like, yeah, like that, like the album's done, but it's just like, yeah, it's going to kind of live in this whole like different space now because like you have to go and uh, perform it live and, you know, share it with people across the world. Yeah. And, and I think a lot of the band members can agree that it's a live record, like it's meant for a live audience. Mm-hmm. Um, I have like my own ideas for the record that kind of exist in its own thing. And then like when we take it out there, it's up to the people. It's up to how they respond to it. Um, those songs, I'm just, I'm just excited to play those, you know, this show is coming up. I think they're going to be super sick. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, we, we haven't been able to play more than five songs to people. So it's, it's like, it's going to be interesting to see how we build a set list and like how we, blend in old songs with new songs because it is such a it is such like a higher elevation music than it was the last song so it's mm-hmm. like really exciting in that reason yeah no i'm, I'm, I'm definitely stoked because i'm curious to see how you're gonna um, you know curate and, and pick your guys's songs from the the new record to, to play live so i'm definitely uh, you know curious about that i'm definitely going to pay attention to you know uh, what happens at the record release and i'm going to see you guys in october which i'm stoked about Dude, yes. It's going to be a good time. It's going to be a really good time. Yeah. Well, Chris, this has been seriously uh, so great for me. I'm, I'm so happy that we were finally able to do this. I, I Just being able to hear your story and talk about the band, this is this has seriously been uh, super awesome. So I, I especially thank you for you know taking the time and um, you know coming on the podcast. So um, I, I really appreciate it. Dude, thank you. Thank you. Seriously. This has been, uh, this has been on my mind for a long time and I will be an avid listener for as long as I can and just keep doing what you do. And I hope to be back. hundred percent. Well, we'll definitely have you back. To be back. Yeah, no, hundred percent. Cause I'm um, obviously, um, you have a lot of things cooking and, um, you know, Ikulu, um, you know, I, I hope you guys have like a long life. So yeah, we'll, we'll definitely do this again. Like hundred percent. We'll, we'll have you back on. So. Perfect, man. All right. Well, seriously, thank you. Thank you for everybody who tuned in, and we'll be back soon.